0: All right, tonight we are continuing our without series. Uh, we have one more week of, of that thought process, we hope. And uh, then uh, we'll switch gears. But uh, tonight is without discipline. Without discipline, you are not sons. We're going to go to the passage of Scripture that we actually were in Sunday morning. If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter twelve. Keep in mind the title: "Without discipline, you are not sons." A woman was in the park one day, and she noticed that there were two boys that were going at it. Man, they were fighting. They were at each other, um, yelling, screaming, punching, and both the boys were equally bad. There wasn't you couldn't blame one for it. They were both just kind of in it, just crazy. All of a sudden, the man walks up, grabs one of the boys by the nap of the collar, takes him over and spanks him. The woman was a little indignant with that, and so she got up and asked, why are you punishing one boy while ignoring the other one? And the man replied, well, this one's my son. The other one is not. Um, The other boy wasn't his concern. Because you see, discipline is not a matter of hatred, it's a matter of love. And if he had truly hated his son, he would have done nothing and would have just ignored him. Love challenges wrong when we do wrong, and we do wrong. Um, God will indeed challenge us. And maybe more properly, the terminology for tonight, discipline us um, when we need it. And so tonight, I I want us to to look at this this idea of discipline with the Lord. And and I came across this this thought, and, and it said this, when we are disciplined by a loving Heavenly Father, it's always to restore us and to teach us how to walk. Did you catch that? When you are disciplined by a loving Heavenly Father, it is to restore us and to teach us how to walk. God's plan for discipline is always redemptive. God's plan for discipline is always redemptive. It is never destructive. And so tonight we're going to go through this, this passage um, I'm going to spend just a really quick uh, synopsis if you were here Sunday morning. Um, you got the, the bigger bulk of this. Um, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this uh, on the first couple of verses, um, but we're going to once we get past that, we're going to spend a lot more time on, on verses th- uh, two through um, 13 tonight. But let's read, begin reading in verse one. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone goes, dis, undergoes discipline, then you are, an Ill, uh, an, you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had human fathers who discipline us and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness." No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And so tonight we want to dive into this, this passage of Scripture. He talks about, we talked about the great cloud of witnesses, um, talk, he kind of gives you this setting of an athletic race. Um, we talked about that on Sunday. This idea of running a race and we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who not only are cheering us on but also serve as examples for us um, as, as he has demonstrated that through the previous chapter. He talked about the examples of faith that were before us. And then he makes this idea to um, throw off everything that hinders Uh, There's one thing about athletes, and there's one thing about uh, Olympic runners that is true across the board, and that is this, those who run a race require and understand the call to self-discipline, to self-discipline. If you're going to run to win and you're going to run to finish, you've got to be self-disciplined. If you're going to go into training, when you go into training, you have to be self-disciplined. I know that there were days I, I, I played basketball and I played sports throughout my, uh, well, well, at least over half of my life anyway. And the, <laughs> there were some days I got up and I'm like, I don't want to go to practice today. <laughs> I don't want to. I think I'm, I chew. I think I'm getting a little bit of the sneezles. I don't know that I can make it today. Why? Because, man, my body was tired, I was beat down, I was sore. I didn't feel like going through it. But you have to make that disciplined decision that says, no matter how I feel, I've got to go forward. And I've got to keep working at this. And it's the same kind of thing spiritually for us. And he's drawing that kind of conclusion here. And and you'll read it throughout Paul's writings even as he talks about this athletic kind of structure and thought process. Athletes require self-discipline. So do we as spiritual believers. How many of you know there are days when spiritually you're tired, when you're worn out, when you don't feel like you can give anything else to anybody else? When you feel like if the world is a sponge, if you're a sponge, you've been drip dry and there's nothing you can do. And we have those days when that's like that. And what's our recourse? What do we typically do when those kind of things happen? That reveals a lot of how disciplined you are in your spiritual life. Do you just sit back? Because when you start sitting back, that's when you get on to the weights and stuff that hinder You'll start adding those to your satchel. That's when you start getting enticed by sin. It becomes easier to just stay where you are. Discipline is important to the life of a believer. We're going to continue to talk about that as we go. Um, He says, throw off everything that hinders. Um, The Greek word used here is, again, an athletic term, and it meant throw off the weight. Throw off the weight. Um, Another kind of sub, you know how some words have two kind of different thoughts. The other thing is this, throwing off the fat. (laughs) Um, We're not going to go too much on the fat thing, but, um, but it was a call to shed excess pounds. That was the deal. It was a call to shed excess pounds. Any athlete can tell you that your performance is hurt by having excess fat. I have realized that as I've gotten older um playing sports softball or whatever excess fat does hurt you um throwing off the term also um back in those days it would also be a thing of throwing off excess garments um because it was really hard to run in the garments that they had and so it would be throwing off the excess garments extra clothing would only slow you down um she said We talked about this Sunday, getting rid of unnecessary baggage to help you. Getting rid of anything that is unnecessary to help you win this race. And then he goes on to this other other thought, and I'm going through these rather quickly just because we already kind of hit this on Sunday. And so, um, if you missed Sunday morning, I would encourage you soon. Um, hopefully, it'll be on the website by the end of the week. But Um, try to get there and and kind of get that as well but then he says also the sin that so easily besets us that idea of of when you're running a race and you're entangled I love the words here that uh, the author uses because he says um, to throw off everything that hinders throwing off means that you can still run it means that you still can move I can still move forward There are some things in our life that keep us from running the race as efficiently and as effectively as God wants us to do. There are things that we are not disciplined at. Oh, there we go. There are things that we aren't disciplined at that we have that weight us down and keep us from getting to where God wants us to be at the rate that God wants us to be there. Does that make sense? But we're still moving. Then you get to this other word, and he says the sin that so easily entangles us. Once you get tangled up, you're not going anywhere. We talked about that Sunday. The idea of if sin grabs a hold of you, you are not moving. You can fake like you're moving. You can act like you're moving. But you are not going anywhere because sin grounds you in your walk. So he says, let us let us so get rid of that, throw off the sin as well that so easily entangles us. The running of a race of a Christian requires us to be self-disciplined and we need to have the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that are living in our life to help us maintain that self-discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace patience. Oh, well, I got the ones you know, right? <laughs> Goodness, gentleness, and one one that is here is self-control. I don't know that I got them all. I think I missed one in there too, but um, self-control. That's a big one. Notice too here, there's some words that he, other words that he uses um, at the end of of, uh, verse 1. He says, and let us, after you've thrown off the the weights, after you've thrown off the sin, let us run with perseverance, the race. Perseverance. You know what that word perseverance tells me? That this isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon, this race. And if I'm going to run this to the effectiveness that I need to run, it requires self-discipline. You know, to run a short sprint doesn't require as much discipline as it does to be a long-distance runner. I know that firsthand. I, uh, I quit track because the first day we ran like 14 laps, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not a distance runner. That was like three and a half miles. I was just like, I don't think so. I think I'll go the short distance. Why? Because it doesn't require as much discipline. There are still some, but it doesn't require as much. It's just, am I fast or not? I got to make sure I don't drink or eat the wrong thing so I don't get a cramp. But other than that, I loosen up. Man, I'm, whoo, I can go. Whereas a long distance runner has to take into account a lot of different things. They have to be disciplined along the way. A good runner knows what the excesses are, and he's prepared to shed those things to compete well. Um, the problem with many Christians today is they, we approach Christianity like entertainment. And we think that we only have to observe it, we don't have to participate in it. Couch potato Christianity doesn't work. you got to be in the race. In the race. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That running metaphor continues here. A runner fixes their gaze on the goal line. They fix their thoughts so that they, when they run, they aren't distracted by the things that are around them. Once you get distracted, you lose momentum or you get drawn off the straight line and you have to run farther than necessary or sometimes it even causes you to fall. We must be careful to keep our focus on the goal. But the goal is Jesus and nothing else. The goal is not how big I can grow in ministry. The goal is not how... And, and some of these things along the way are, are things that... We want to see God do great things in us, but the goal is not those things. The goal is not how many um, belches I can get. Belches. Well, if that's your goal too, man, that's kind of a weird goal, but uh, notches in your belt. You you combine notches and belt and you get belches. All right? So um, how many belches you can get on your belt. Um, Spiritual belches. There you go. Um, I'm so glad this is being recorded. <clears throat> and uh, it's not that kind of thing. Our goal should be Jesus because at the end of the day, all the stuff that I do, all the stuff that I've done, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, everything that I've done, I'm going to take off and I'm going to throw it at His feet. All the crown that God's going to give me for everything that I've done, um, all the works that that I've followed Him and walked in obedience in Him, all the things that I've been able to see God do through me in my life, I'm going to take off and say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing You. My focus isn't on this. My focus is on Him. And when we have that kind of focus, that helps us to run our race with more efficiency and we don't get sidetracked as easy because there are good things i mean we it's really easy i mean we could sit up here tonight and we can talk about all the bad stuff that sidetracks us we can talk about all the things that that helps that keeps our focus oh my look at this look at that but the problem is that sometimes there are good things that causes us to lose focus Things that aren't necessarily sinful things, but they are maybe even church, quote-unquote, things. And we lose focus on what the real thing is about. That the real thing is about Jesus. And keeping my focus and my heart and my mind set on Him at all times. One thing that uh, he says here, and I'm going to open up for comments. Um, He says, for the joy set before him, he endured. That word endurance is a factor. It talks about running um, toward what we see, but Jesus endured the cross. And we can endure anything if we have our eyes on him. Endurance is a product of self-discipline. God will be with those who disciplines them, discipline themselves and not give up. Those that endure the greatest trials and come through not losing sight of the goal, the goal being the Lord. Any thoughts tonight? Yeah, main thing, keep the main thing the main thing. Yep, that's very true. What crosses us up is when we forget what the main thing is and we've got something else that has taken the main thing and become our main thing. And then all of a sudden we wonder where we got off. What happened? Because the main thing changed. No other comments? All right. Well, let's continue then. That was a 10-minute synopsis of this Sunday morning. Um, You can get the full version, like I said, later on. Um, Number four, verse four. Um, He says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. No matter how tough the struggle, we haven't died. So there's still hope. Um, even when the sense of God disciplining us is upon us, we are encouraged by this, for it shows that our ownership by God, that we are His sons and daughters. You have not, and, and verse 5 says, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement. Um, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as the Father addresses His Son? Um, God notices us. He loves us. He is ever watching us. And discipline is a a part of our life because we are not perfect. We are not perfect. And and the the thought process for us is to maintain. One of the things that I think is a key when you talk about discipline, one of the things that I think is, is very much has to be a part of a believer's life to even allow themselves to submit themselves to be disciplined is this, humility. The key to being able to accept discipline is a humble heart. I remember, you know, uh, and, and the humble heart and then recognizing who you are and who God is. He, he talks about that in, in here, about the, a father that disciplines his children. And uh, you just stop to think about that for just a moment. And, and many of us here tonight have, have had been in both situations. You were once a son or daughter, or, and you've also had sons or daughters, and so you're very familiar with this idea of discipline. And the thing I remember about with, with my father, whenever my mom and dad would discipline me, I had an option. I could either rebel against that discipline or I could accept that discipline. If I rebelled against the discipline, <laughs> there were consequences, right? If I accept the discipline, then that becomes a new learning curve for me teaching me how I should walk and how I should act as a proper person. But if we reject that, then what happens? Pride has entered into our heart. And we have this mindset that I can do it better than they can. I know what's best more than they do and we would say that oh that's crazy i would never think that way when it comes to god <laughs> you would never say it intentionally you would probably never just come out of the out of the thing and say you know yeah what well, you know what god you have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> god you're just the This is the way it has to be, and this is the way I'm going to do it. And I know you don't like it, and I know it's not necessarily according to your word, but I'm going to tell you what, this is the way it's going to be. (laughs) I, I can tell you one thing, that won't work. It won't. Because why? Because God is the ultimate authority. And when he disciplines us, he disciplines us to do what? We talked about that earlier. To conform to Him, to teach us how to walk, and to redeem us and forgive us from going astray. You know, this idea, you know, we, we talk about discipline. Um, as, again, I, I reiterate this the action of discipline in our lives from God is always redemptive. In verse 6, um, there's a word there, and it, uh, it it's the word chastens. Um, maybe your Bible says the word punishes. In the Greek, that word actually meant to whip. Um, and uh, how many of you know discipline can most certainly be painful? Um, when it's painful, however have to remember, it's still redemptive. Um, It will bring healing if we'll submit to it. Um, He really incurred this idea that God will direct us to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I look at David's life. David experienced God's discipline. David experienced God's discipline. He was not crushed by it. But it was used by God to restore him to being the right kind of man and the right kind of king. On the flip side of that, Saul might have had a better ending if he would have submitted to God's discipline, but he refused. As we said earlier the key to both of those situations was the attitude of the heart found in each man. David had an humble heart, a heart that was after God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was humble, he was somebody that God he let God mold him, he let God shape him. Saul was not that way. Saul was prideful and arrogant. And when he refused God's discipline, God took action. We learn to respect our earthly parents when they discipline us. We know that they care for us. How much more should our attitude be toward God when He disciplines us? That's what He's talking about here. You know, he says a man, a parent, if if you're not disciplined, then you're not really loved. He uses this this connection here between love and, and discipline, the one that we even started out with tonight. He teaches us self-discipline and promotes godliness in our lives. What are some benefits of discipline? What are some benefits of discipline? Stay out of trouble, <laughs> Stay out of trouble yeah, okay. Causes us to, um, if we'll allow ourselves to continue to be disciplined what's that do with our relationship with god okay it does it does prove it but improves it it. well yeah yeah it does do that what happens what what takes place in those moments i'm not it's not that i'm fishing i'm not trying to fish for one thing necessarily but but there's some things that I, i think are evident in our life Relationship is stronger relationship with god is is better, it's stronger um and growth spiritual growth takes place, yes, we gain confidence in that in in the Lord and in us, yeah absolutely, it changes us in the process of that our our thoughts, yeah, absolutely. Consequences are lighter. We can see that right in Scripture. That's definitely true. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. More peace in your life, yeah. Okay, good. More joy, yep. Yeah. Righteousness. What's that? Righteousness. What's that mean? Right standing? Okay. What is it in our relationship with God if if we are to be righteous people? Holy. Holy. It means we're supposed to be people who follow God's word and are obedient, right? In sync with his will. I like that. There's a this thought that discipline trains us. It teaches us what's proper and what's not, um, so that we can live righteously. Um, discipline sharpens our focus. Um, discipline. Um, tells us what to do and what not to do sometimes the lessons of life are not learned any other way other than through discipline discipline with children is used to teach them what is right and what is wrong this is designed to protect them have you ever thought about that that god disciplines you to protect you Well, yeah, and so you don't get in danger. So that you can um, look later in life, you'll be able to take the things that God has instilled to you and do what? Teach others. Discipline is one of those most important educational tools that we have in our society. Any society that removes punishment will quickly become a society that is in disrepair. and sick yeah that's true there's one thing I know about life life's full of choices and for every choice you make there's a consequence good or bad if you got up this morning you didn't put deodorant on? There's consequences for that choice. You're going to sit by yourself tonight. I'm not looking around, but that might be the issue. If, uh, and that's kind of a simple, small, little uh, thing, but the, the idea here is that every choice, every decision we make, life is full of those. And if we will discipline ourselves toward making the choices according to God's Word and right choices, those bring life to us and not death. This is God's primary goal in giving discipline, is to teach us and to guide us. God tests us and tries us so that the world can have godly examples to notice, and so the world can witness the strength of righteousness and what it means to live right. Um, we were talking on Sunday nights about James, and James being the book where it talks about tests. God does that so that he can discipline us, so that we can walk in a greater um, walk with him, and it sharpens our focus on him. There was a, uh, a story that I found, and, and we'll stop for just a, a couple minutes for, for comments. It says, Before a bridge is built to carry thousands of others, the steel members are tested. They are put through all kinds of tests to check their strength. They are pulled until they snap to know the limit of their strength. They are twisted to see how much they can take before twisting apart. Parts are crushed to see what the load limits are. All this so that when they are combined into a bridge, those who travel over it can have a confidence that the bridge will not collapse. God disciplines his children to make us strong so that in society there is a witness that is safe for the world to travel over. I'm sure all of us have things that we can look back on, whether it be from childhood, with our parents, and discipline aspect of it, or e- even in our relationship with God, where well, we've been disciplined, or we've, we've done something, and man, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? Um, we've all had those moments. Some of us have had a few more than maybe some others, but, um, but we've all had some of those moments where, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. But the wonderful thing about God is, yeah, there are consequences for our actions, but God is so loving that there are times that I can run to him and he, he just puts his arms around me, and there are also times when he has to come get me. But either case is an act of love because God loves you enough. And, and the thing about this is, and the thing I notice about this in the life of a lot of, and, and you may not think of it this way, but this is just something as I was studying this and thinking about this. For me, both instances are an act of love. But God still, even the sinner, God's still going after them. Wanting them to come to him. Now, it's a little different than discipline. But it's inspired by the same thought. Of love. Of love. God goes after people because he loves them. Um, That brings me to this next thought. You know, um, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Um, I'm going to not necessarily ask for examples, but just maybe a show of Have you ever repeated the same mistake? Um, I case I, I by the, the laughter and the You know, you're not laughing at me. You're laughing because you've done that too. Um, Whenever discipline happens, (laughs) I can relate this to my parents. I would make one mistake and i get disciplined. If I made the same mistake again, the discipline was a little worse, a little harsher. If I came back and did it again... Then it was more than just, you know, there were some other consequences that went along with that. I think about God in this aspect of discipline in my life. When we fall into that same type of sin, or we fall into those weights that hinder us, God is patient with us. He will discipline us. Our purpose is not to keep going back to those things. God wants us to move forward. And He says here, He says, the discipline seems, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, this is the effect of it, is that it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. For those who have been trained by it. So my question tonight for us this evening is this. When you are disciplined by God, are you being trained by it? Are you growing from it? Or are you just keep going back to it? Oh yeah, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm, Please forgive me. And then two days later, we're back in the same predicament doing the same thing. I had a friend, he was, um, and I I relate it this way, I had a friend, he was, um, (laughs) I'm not going to compare him to Pastor Greg, but uh, uh, you know, he he liked to sow his oats a little bit with uh, getting in fights, and man, he got caught one day, and he got caught in a fight, and man, his dad came down on him, and You discipline him. Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. I promise. Okay, well, you're grounded for a week. Grounded for a week. Had the punishment. Couldn't do anything. All of a sudden, that week's over. Two days later, guess what happened? Fighting again. Dad comes, grabs him. Got in trouble again. This time it was two weeks. Two weeks are up, what happens? Dad, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And you go right back to it. I make that analogy to say this. How many times do we as believers do the same thing in our walk with God? God, I'm so sorry. See, my friend wasn't sorry he did it. He was sorry he got caught. God, I'm so sorry, man. That sermon, that lesson, that that person I work with, that Christian I work with, that person that I've been talking to, man, they hit me right between the eyes, God, and I know I need to, I'm sorry. But after a period of time, what do we do? Right back in it. Why? Because we haven't been trained by it. We haven't gone and made a change. Here and hear by it. When I was disciplined at home, there was something that had to happen. I had to change my mindset and I had to change what I was going to do. My actions had to change. And with God, when God disciplines us, He does it so that we'll be trained to righteousness. How do we get right? Because we change our mind, we change our heart, we change our actions and how do you do that by running closer to God worship and relationship with him <laughs> then he comes to verse 12 and he says therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees um <laughs> that would be an issue for a runner to have feeble arms and weak knees In other words, you need to get stronger. Don't be crushed by the discipline. There's a need to get stronger. We need strong Christian examples in our society. We need strong Christian men and women of God in our churches. We need people who are strengthening their arms and strengthening their weak knees. And moving forward, if we as God's people act undisciplined, how can we expect the world to, to look to us and take our walk with God seriously? The last part of verse 13 gives the reason for us to be strengthening our feeble arms and our weak knees. Make level of the paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. We must demonstrate to the world the right kind of example so that others will come to Christ. We must respond ourselves correctly or we will have no voice in calling the world to repent. The world will not be won to Christ just by how excited you are. The world will be won to Christ by how disciplined your walk is. I used to, in youth ministry, I'd I'd say it this way. It's not how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you land. You can have experiences with God, get all the warm fuzzies that you want, but it's not how high you jump, it's how straight your walk is. God disciplines us to walk straight so that the lame may not be disabled, but that they would be healed. If we don't do it in our own lives, we can't expect the world which is sick and lame by their sin to be able to do it. We fail. I'm just going to throw this out. We fail as believers when we lived undisciplined, ungodly lives. We're basically taking a disabled, lame world and pushing them farther away. Crooked people on a crooked path can't walk a straight line, much less run one. So there's the thought tonight. Are you allowing God to discipline you? Are you allowing God, and in those moments of your dis- Him disciplining you, are you al- making changes in your heart, in your mind, and in your action? He says, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I want to walk straight. I want to walk better with you. Every one of us, as I said earlier, none of us are perfect. So every one of us are still undergoing this scripture. <laughs> this is not something that you can say, well, I'm exempt. No. All of us are still in this process. All of us are running this race. We talked about that Sunday. All of us are running the race. Are you going to throw off the weights? Are you going to get rid of the sin? And are you going to allow God to discipline you so that you can grow and be trained from it? So that righteousness will be a product. Because as this thought process, as we've talked about in this series, without discipline, you're not sons. You're not sons. Any closing thoughts tonight? just to God just wants us to want him. Any other thoughts before we close tonight? So Lord, we just ask. We just ask you to lead us, to cause us to to teach us and cause us to grow. Help our hearts and our mind and our actions to change and to be more like you. Help us, God, to walk in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, there are lame, sick people that need to see what a true example of a godly follower of Jesus looks like. Help us to be that example. Help us to to not only with our words, but with our actions and with our deeds to lead by example, to lead by love, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to speak into the lives of people. God, I pray that we wouldn't run from your discipline, but God, that we would run to you. Help us to throw off the things that are holding us back the things that are entangling us. And let us run with perseverance the race that's set out before us, knowing that, God, at the end, you're the one that we're running for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.